The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Custard TV podcast. It's me again, Matt, hosting the show. Uh, Luke this week is at a wedding, not his own, I, well, at least I think I would have liked to have been invited if it was his wedding. Joining me this week, he's been sitting in the corner patiently since we last talked. Live from Virginia, we've got Mo Walker with us. How are you, Mo? I'm glad, glad to be here, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> this week we are taking the lead from Gogglebox and we've got some Scottish representation on the show. <laughs> For the first time, although you would have heard her on our Christmas episode when we talked about Dinner Ladies from the Shipyard podcast, Dawn Glenn is with us. How are you, Dawn? I'm great, thank you. Hopefully, I'm slightly easier easier to understand than the uh, Scottish couple on Gogglebox this week. Was there backlash on that then? I didn't say what online was yes. there. Yes, oh, okay. there was rather a lot. I tweeted saying they reminded me of a couple from the BBC comedy Two Doors Down, mm. and everybody was saying, Yes, but at least we could understand them. So everybody's saying the same thing. We need subtitles for the Scottish goggle boxer. I didn't feel that it were that hard to understand. I think it's one of these accents. You just have to tune into it for a few seconds and then then it's okay. I remember that they were saying that, like, Channel 4, a lot of the complaints they got was that there wasn't any Scottish representation on Gogglebox. Is that something you found? or I have looked at applying before to, to go on Gogglebox. But when I saw that it was like eight hours filming, I was like, oh, no, that's so that. <laughs> so I was glad to see they do have Scottish contingency and they do have a lot of older families, older couples at the moment. So it was nice to have the sort of younger, mm. the younger here. We'll see yeah. the last, obviously they've introduced quite a few that have lasted one series and then we never see them again. There was a Scottish family before, if I remember, but again, people said they couldn't understand them. So they left after a few episodes. <laughs> We'll need to get some Edinburgh people in. That's about, that's about the best, most understandable accent in Scotland. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Coming up today, we have got uh, four shows. We've got The Return of Killing Eve. We have from BBC Three... Mood, Channel 5's The Holiday, which is going to be showing all across this week. And then we are looking at the second series of Rose Matafeo's sitcom Starstruck. We are just going to do all the plugs off the top. Mo, do you want to just talk a little bit about your podcast that you do? Is it Geek Confidential? Am I right in that? Yeah, it's it's Geek Confidential. We primarily cover genre related shows, particularly those that are on the CW network over here in the States. So it could be like your Superman and Lois's, your The Flashes. And of course, we'll cover like a lot of Disney Plus shows as well. Uh, the Mandalorian, the Marvel shows. We have a Luke on our show as well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> as yes. well. No, an actual Luke, not someone with Luke's personality. Like, well, there's some similarities there, you know. <laughs> but... um. One of our most recent episodes, we covered uh, Peacemaker, which is an HBO Max show spinning out of the Suicide Squad movie that was directed by James Gunn. Actually, James Gunn actually wrote uh, all the episodes, and he directed a fair number of episodes as well. 
our cadence is somewhat infrequent. Unfortunately, we're we're hoping to do better in 2022. And uh, Dawn, uh, do you want to have a quick chat about your podcast, The Shipyard? Shipyard is Lucy and myself, and we are entirely devoted to TV ships. Specifically, will they, won't they? Moonlighting is always the the classic one, but you know, to modern days, we do talk a lot about ones from the 80s and 90s because they shaped what TV is is in terms of ships today, you know. But it is interesting to see how things have changed and with social media, it's completely different now. So we talk a lot about that. We have our video podcasts where we'll go into a topic sort of in depth. And then we have our pyjama podcast and it's just us watching an episode and talking our way through it. So uh, it's normally quite chaotic <laughs> because mm. we'll just get distracted. And then we'll just be like, oh, are their clothes nice? And then, oh, no, wait a minute, let's, let's get deep again. So that's our sort of more lighthearted one. And, you know, we have articles as well um, just on whatever takes our fancy to do with shipping, the act of shipping. Dawn has written a very uh, in-depth article on thecustardtv.com, which I uh, implore you all to read. It's very in-depth. Uh, if you ever wondered what shipping was, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment as well, with Killing Eve. Yeah, on the website at the moment, Dawn's actually got two articles on there. She's, um, new reviewer is reviewing the uh, latest series of Killing Eve, and there is a very welcome recap of the first three seasons as well. Yeah, thecustardtv.com. We've also got a, a review of the latest episode of Euphoria, there is another great article on uh, Russell T Davis and his sort of representation of homosexuality on screen. So lots of great stuff on there. And you can hear us on all your podcasting apps, Spotify, Stitcher, all that stuff. Please uh, rate, review and subscribe. So as I said, Killing Eve is the big one this week. It is the fourth and final season. Dawn, do you mind just chatting us through a little bit about Killing Eve and your relationship with the show? Because this is like one of the big ones that sort of shipping sort of has played into, I think, over the seasons, hasn't it? Where people have willed even Villanelle to sort of get together in a way. So I think it's an interesting show because it is a show where it's like Sherlock and um, Moriarty. It's it's opposites. It's Chaser and the Chase, the Villanelle, the psychopath killer, and Eve is the alleged, <laughs> we'll just say this, alleged good guy because it does get a bit blurred. From the start, they have this sexual magnetism, this attraction to each other that isn't just intellectual. It's Villanelle specifically becomes really sexually obsessed with Eve and Eve obviously becomes more more obsessed with Villanelle's prowess as a killer and and the way she does our kills but over time Eve becomes more and more fascinated by Villanelle and that dynamic just spoke obviously to the fans the term people use is queer baiting where it's hinted at but never gone through and it's heterosexual characters who just have a sort of homoerotic undercurrent but I think with Killing Eve we see that Villanelle is definitely bisexual. Eve is very probably bisexual as well. And so there is a real possibility that they could get together. But what they get together is the difficult part because they're toxic for each other. They're so wildly apart. How on earth could you get these two characters together as a couple when one of them's a mass murderer. This was a show killing Eve when it first came along in 2018. It was a thing that loads of people gravitated towards. It was critically acclaimed. You know, the cast, specifically Jodie Comer, won a lot of awards. But it seems to be very much the law of diminishing returns with this and actually sort of pulling back the curtain. I found it really hard to find people who'd actually kept up with Killing Eve throughout the season. I got We got a lot of, well, I'd watched it. I dipped out in season two. You know, I didn't keep up with it. I, and I wonder what, why you guys think that is. Well, I think part of it is, as part of the show, is that it has a changeover in showrunner each series. So I think that level of consistent vision and consistent voice i think that was part of the problem my understanding is that the the baton is just essentially held, uh, passed along to another female ep it, and, and it's a good thing to you know provide opportunities in this industry for female creatives but i feel that's a problem 
because it, it feels like that new person's coming in. They understand the, the premise of the show, and then they're taking that baton. It could be zig, and then the other person has to zag to kind of get things back <laughs> on even footing. From series one to series two, I think the baton was held off fairly smoothly. Series three, they took the baton and just ran off into the woods with it. I mean, Susanna like, Heathcote, I believe, was the yeah. showrunner in season three. Now, you know, because this is the final series, is you know, uh, I believe it's Laura Neal, mm. so she has to bring it back in line and then wrap it up. Plus, you know, the show's been gone for two years now. That's partially due to COVID. Mm. Sandra O's oh really been blowing up. Jodie Comer obviously has been blowing up. So people are also busy. It's been a lot of diminishing returns. Season three was the, the worst of the three. And and not just because, and this is my big thing, is they killed Kenny. I loved Kenny and I really liked his relationship with Eve. Exactly what Mo was saying. At the start of each season, one of the things is that the people who surrounded Eve, her team at work, completely changed every season. I found that jarring. So in, in season three, and Kenny died, and Kenny had been working at this, I don't know what you would call it, is it an underground... Undercover yeah. magazine, you know, they were trying to expose different conspiracies and things, weren't they? That was yeah. the... It was so out of left field, I'll be honest, that I was convinced that Kenny's boss was one of the 12 or some undercover for the entire season. And then when it turned out, no, he was just an editor of the magazine. I was just like, okay. <laughs> because I thought there had to be more to it. And and I think there was a lot in season three that didn't work. I didn't understand entirely why we were introduced to Carolyn's daughter, Geraldine. I didn't understand that story at all. What was the point of that? I enjoyed the stuff with Villanelle going back to Russia. And I did as well, I yeah. I thought that was yeah. the best-ass part of, of season three. But other than that, I did think it was... It felt far away from what, mm. what the show originally was. And there was, like, Harriet Walter came in, and I felt she played it really big. And Steve Pemberton came in for no apparent... There was another character, in okay? <laughs> and I, I'd forgotten he was in it until we got the recap here and Carolyn <laughs> shot him at the end. There was this sort of interesting story about Villanelle sort of losing her mojo, wasn't there? And them sort of grooming Alexandra Roach, wasn't it? She was playing this new assassin who was like the new Villanelle in a way. But yeah. they lost that and, and it felt like part of it was... We need even Villanelle to be, as you as you were saying, that sort of chemistry there. There's the scene, the bus isn't there, and then at the end when they're in Blackpool dancing together. So we'd sort of left them on, if I remember, they were on a bridge, weren't they, at the end of season three? And we find here that Eve is now working for a private security company, and she's hunting down Helene, who is the trainer of these assassins. I'm not quite sure what her sort of purpose for revenge is. No, I mean, obviously, Carolyn, her story is quite clear. You know, she's going after the people who got the hit on her son, Kenny. Mm. But I, I'm not entirely sure what Eve's motivation. I guess it's just instead of, you know, the, the whole cut off the dragon's head kind of thing. Mm. You know, she wants to go to the top. And I guess in her mind, Helene is there. She's never going to know who the 12 are. And mm. Helene's the closest thing. She can know. Another thing you were saying, Mo, is like the the reset button here. And it feels to me like every season we get a, oh, how can the people find Villanelle? What will she be doing? Because I remember start of season three, she was getting married. Start of season four, she's found God and she's now in this quaint little church in the middle of nowhere. The brilliant Steve O'Ran playing a vicar. And she's just about to be baptised. We meet her as she's singing... Uh, moving on up by Primal Scream. That's essentially her story in this first episode, is trying to show people, oh, I, I'm not the killer you thought I was, you know, I want to be better. But she's still got that sort of side to her where she can't get away from the fact that she had been trained as a killer from a young age. The family that she's living with, the cat goes to attack her and she ends up drowning the cat. She wants Eve to see that she's changed. She sends her a card to her baptism, which she rips up. We've also got Carolyn, who's now in Mallorca and wanting to track down those who plotted Kenny's death. And then we've got Constantine, who's now like a local politician. So it's sort of like every time we get a new showrunner, we press the reset button and all the characters are scattered around 
and have to meet up again and, and sort of establish these new stories. We've got Eve on the trail of a young girl who works at a mortuary who might be the latest trainee from Helen. So there's lots of little fragmented pieces, but it ends with a weird like fantasy sequence where Villanelle sees herself as Jesus. She looks remarkable like <laughs> Russell Brand, which is a <laughs> <laughs> But that, I thought, oh, they've reached a whole new level now. <laughs> uh, Mo, what were your thoughts on this on this opening episode then? Where where does it sort of rank? Are we, have we sort of turned a corner? Are we sort of where we were with season three? What, what are your thoughts? We've definitely turned a corner. I think they solved the one critical problem that a lot of fans had with the, the, the previous season series. Eve and Villanelle were separated for the bulk of that season. So you you solved that bridge. You brought them together. Whether it's Eve outright rejecting Villanelle and <laughs> including slapping her and, and Villanelle saying, I forgive you for not coming to my baptism. You've solved that piece. I think that by quickly getting Carolyn out of her what is it, cultural attache position sending her to russia or whatever you're pushing that storyline along it's not stalling and i think that they realize that hey we've got to get from a to b much more quickly than than we did in the previous series i was pleasantly pleased with it i do worry about it coming off the rails a little bit i appreciated the the, the storyline you know of villanelle finding god or at least in her mind, believing that she needs to surround herself with people who have found God. I get that, and I appreciate you know, her sort of break with reality. I, I, I just hope that break with reality doesn't sort of overshadow the things that need to occur. You know, the confrontations with Helena and, and so forth that need to occur. We, it, it, that's my one concern. Uh, but but definitely, I think that this, it's a good start. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think it's a good start. You know, they need to get to the, the, the meat of it quickly. Is I think, and I, I don't know if I'm right, I'm just guessing, they need to have even Villanelle be on the same team, which is, I assume, what the end goal is, because they're going to have the same enemy, which is Helene. Villanelle wants to be free from the 12. The only way she can do that is to kill them all basically and Eve wants the tw- to end the 12s to me that should be the end game is that they work together what that brings for them personally no idea but in terms of bringing down the 12 they, they join together but at the end of obviously episode one we're st- they're still very far apart in terms of their mental states of, of mm. how they're viewing things our reviewer on the site brought up that they've almost sort of switched places now you know Villanelle is very much mm. the passive one here you know she's she's trying her best to lead a good life and eve has become the the person for hire the gun toting working for the personal security having sort of casual sex with her new uh, colleague through her experiences with villanelle has become something else like i did with season three i sort of went along with it and i think it was fine but i don't think it's ever going to hit those heights of the show that we came to love in the in the first place dawn in terms of like the the shipping element of it that was something obviously that the fans were clamoring for them to be together and obviously we first had that meeting where she came to dinner at her house and then it's gradually got to the point where they just sort of seem to spend quite a lot of time together certainly in that second (laughs) season there's not that sort of danger that like for example in this episode where she just rocks up and said why didn't you come to my my baptism before it would have been like a big deal wouldn't it now it just seems like by the by really i think it's it's the same problem that most tv ships have actually is how much you have them together and how much you keep them apart because it is that push and pull that keeps people interested and obviously this has the added element of death in order to keep it going they couldn't just do the cat and mouse for four seasons it wouldn't have been believable and people would have got tired that oh why does Eve such a brilliant you know she's a brilliant mind and she's a brilliant investigator why doesn't she ever catch Villanelle what's the point Mm. I think there's there's that element of it but you're right they have to keep the the danger element and that does feel 
that it's gone because it, Villanelle doesn't want to kill. She doesn't want to kill at all. She wants to show that to Eve. That takes away that element of risk and is their attraction to each other so much so that they probably will would kill each other. That wasn't didn't feel strong in, in season four. I don't know. It might come back as the season goes on a little bit more and I don't think it's it's spoilery to say I doubt she'll last <laughs> as a Christian. <laughs> Just, you never just know. Just a little feeling I have. Although there was the suggestion that she has changed the extent that she decided not to fully drown the girl <laughs> in the fonts there. You know, she brought her back from the dead. So, <laughs> you know, it's progress. Um, and, and as you mentioned in your article as well, Dawn, there was the very strong reference to Romeo and Juliet, the scene in the fish tank, which is taken from the, the Baz Luhrmann film as well. So there's the suggestion there that they're these sort of star-crossed lovers really which again isn't sort of where the series started my other issue is that all the stuff with the 12 and everything like that you know where that started was like it was the strong sort of investigative part of it and it almost seems to be usurped now by this relationship every time they talk about the 12 I'm a bit like well where are we with this as I said, like the Steve Pemberton character, I couldn't really remember his connection. Was he a banker or something like that? Was he the money man? No, he worked for MI5, I think. He was secretly working for the yeah, 12 yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that's the th- yeah. one of the things is that side of it gets a bit complex. And it's the mixture of the two that it sort of has lost from that first season where, you know, you had like this strong team really as well with like David Haig and Darren Boyd and actors like that, Kirby Howe Baptiste. If you are watching Killing Eve, then it is that sort of completest thing that I've got to watch till the end just to see what will happen. I mean, have we got any predictions? They probably will come together, work as a team. And, but, you know, what kind of a happy ending it is, satisfying is probably all we can hope for, I think, more than anything, you know. As you were saying about, like, the bringing in the 12 and so forth, I find that when these shows try to broaden their mythology and add these, like, conspiracy groups you had the same problem with orphan black you had a great premise and then when you started to broaden that out and add layer on top of layer of you know this is the group behind whatever or there's a splinter faction or whatever you have these kind of problems and and i I personally feel like we probably never should have gotten so deep deeply enmeshed into the 12th to begin with that story is going around in circles to an extent and i think it's based on like a novella isn't it which probably had quite a short out and they've had to again extend this story over four seasons and it has got a bit confused you know it is something that we are sort of all thinking you know how's it going to end we all will be watching till the end and it's on iplayer by the time you hear this it goes on iplayer every monday and then there is a tv airing on saturday nights oddly which i think is what they did last time but it's it's a bit of a strange schedule that they do on this, but yeah, Killing Eve. And as I say, once again, if you, uh, Dawn's very uh, well-written uh, article on the site and a full recap and review from uh, new writer Amy as well. So turning on to something completely different, we'll go to the holiday. There is a Killing Eve connection here and in so much as, is it Owen McDonnell is the actor? Yep. Who played um, Nico in Killing Eve. He is here in, uh, so Holiday is a Channel 5 drama. It will be airing four nights, Tuesday to Friday at 9pm. This is based on a novel by uh, T.M. Logan. It stars Jill Halfpenny. She goes on holiday to a Maltese villa with her husband, uh, played by McDonnell. They went to uni together and three of their friends from uni, Jenny, Rowan and Izzy, uh, they go to this really swanky villa. And it's not long before Kate suspects that Sean is having an affair with Rowan. She finds a thread of text messages sort of linking them together there are more and more sort of secrets come out as they sort of, you know, the drink flows. There's a lot of passive aggressive comments thrown between all these friends. And we see what um, Mo will know we dub on the podcast here is a Luke special where (laughs) we get sort of a flash forward to a big explosive event at the start. 
and um, it's basically saying to the audience, please keep watching. Something exciting is going to happen soon, like scenes of Kate amidst this fire. And I think trying to find various members of the party. We get that at the end of the episode as well. After a confrontation between Kate's daughter, Lucy, and Jenny's son, Jake, who's almost like this sort of, like a problem child almost. You know, he's, he struggles to control his aggression. I wouldn't want to go on a holiday with these folks. You know, I would be concerned that Sean, really flirty, with my significant other, because it's clear, you know, like he flirty with Kate's friends and it comes out later on in an episode in the episode that he had a relationship or sexual relation or sexual encounter with Jenny yeah. while they were at uni. You know, that just adds to the level of suspicion that Kate already has. Just, she comes in there thinking, you know, as soon as she sees those text messages, she goes in the cop boat and she starts looking at all the other females who are there and says, could Sean be having an affair with Rowan? Could it be Jenny? This is clearly a case of friends who at at a point should have stopped hanging out with each other because it's, it's the law of diminishing returns here, whether it was Kate telling Rowan that her first husband was having an affair and apparently that wasn't true, but you know, that subsequently led to the dissolution of that marriage and how uh, Russ Rowan's current partner is, is insecure because of Sean. It, it's this very tangled web. The flash forwards at the beginning and the end is clearly designed to, to try to get people to stay hooked on the show. And I didn't even realize it was going to be stripped across four nights, which is probably for the best because it's a very limp holiday in my opinion. I'm getting the impression that the book this is based on is very much one of those, you know, airport novels, the, the sort of it, book you, it, you would take on holiday with you. It was a Rick, Richard and Judy book club. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's Channel 5's way for the most part of having the, like, the teacher was on over consecutive nights as well. Um, what were your thoughts, Dawn, on, on the holiday? Uh, it's so funny. More took the words right out of my mouth when when you said it was on over four nights. I was like, oh thank goodness, because <laughs> you can get to the end and go right. Well, just tell us what happened because it is so slow. There are so many long pauses of just people <laughs> staring at each other, and I just it's like oh, God. I have three female best friends who've been my friends since school. Nothing like this dynamic whatsoever. Like, if that was what it was like, why are you friends with him? There's a story they tell at dinner about some guy they know who tried to get his wife to take his points on a, a driving mm. thing. And Kate obviously disapproved because she's a policewoman. And the way they were all sort of horrible to her about it. And I thought, that's, that's her job, you know? And why, why? Why would you be friends with these people? Mm. Don't be friends with the people who you knew when you met your husband as well, I think. <laughs> the scene where Jenny confesses that she'd slept with Sean when they were at university. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. I thought what, that wouldn't have come up in 20 years. You wouldn't have thought to mention it. And the only reason she did mention it was because she bought her, like, teenage diaries with her on holiday. <laughs> Why? Who does that? 
It's like my husband has found my teenage diaries and will tell you that I slept with your husband. The fact is that they are setting Kate up as this very suspicious character. She can't separate her life as a policewoman from her personal life and gazing through the window, every little touch on a shoulder that uh, her husband gives to anyone. It's like, oh, she, he must be having an affair with them, though. This is very much what I would describe as a middle class problems drama that I absolutely hate it's all very sort of snidey passive aggressive people who shouldn't really be moaning about their lot in life I got a bit confused as well between all the relationships whose kids were who the other two husbands look quite is it Alistair and Russ look quite similar to each other the little girl who debt was like one of the sort of children of the corn almost. She was like <laughs> there at the at the swimming pool going, it wasn't an accident. When like the little lad Daniel said that that um, Jake had, had hit him accidentally, and we know that there's this fire that's going to occur. And, and certainly in terms of the adult characters, I'd be absolutely all right with them all burning to death if I'm completely honest <laughs> with you. There's nothing sort of really redeemable or likeable about any of these characters. I I don't know, as you both said, you know, that this is the impetus for you to want to carry on watching. But I I can't see that many people really would. I just want to go go into it, take Kate away from them and say, I'll I'll show you how to be, you know, what good friends are like, female friends. Forget the rest. Leave your husband. Just go. And the kids. Yeah. But they were very, like, stereo, you know, the first time you meet them in the car and you've got the stroppy teenage daughter and the little lad who won't stop, you know, he's got his tablet and is wanting to... I felt really sorry for him, actually. He was probably the the most sympathetic character, was, like, the little nerdy son. Universally, we're we're just saying, don't bother with this, really, aren't we? I mean, I think this is possibly one of the worst things that we've, we've watched this year for the podcast, I think. I looked up to see if I could find out how it ends so that I could find out without watching it. <laughs> and did you? No, oh, sadly enough, that it doesn't have its own wiki page, and I, I found all the sort of reviews of it, but 90% of the reviews are saying exactly what we said. It's too slow. Nobody, You don't like these people. We don't care. There's a lot of, you know, I'm sure there's going to be lots of different secrets come out from all of them. Mm. And, but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the perfect noise to make that is done, I think, just to sum up this this series, this episode. If you want to see for yourself what the holiday what we're talking about, see if you can survive more than an episode, it is on channel five, Tuesday to Friday at 9 pm. You're listening to the Custard TV podcast. The official podcast of the custardtv.com. Next up, then, we've got, um, it's the first, I believe, BBC Three drama since they've become a uh, proper TV channel. Moods. Now, Mo, as this has got uh, half of your name in it, do you want to have a go at trying to set up the uh, the, f- the first episode of Mood? Do you think you could give that a go? Mood uh, stars uh, Nicole Leakey uh, as a, a sock Clayton, who is a 25-year-old wannabe singer. And it was... A very odd start. Plus, we again get sort of these memory flashes back to the night before in which she was heavily intoxicated and was trying to desperately catch up with her ex-boyfriend. Subsequently, fast forward to the, to the, to the next morning and she's dealing with the consequences of the night before. Her mom, who's played by Jessica Hines, and I did not recognize Jessica no, Hines for like the first like it was like, wait, wait, wait. Her face is familiar. And then I realized it was just kind of, and I was like, whoa, what a transition. I mean, I feel like this is unlike any role I've seen her in before. And talk about class differences where we got the holiday, you know, with their middle class problems and mood where it's really lower class issues, you know, aspirational issues. But you know, Sasha, you know, she is clearly a um, biracial child. And so there is, in my opinion, there's that tension there because her step stepfather, uh, Kevin, it, it, it's clear like he wants her to look like she fits in with the rest of the family. And so 
there's these awkward conversations in which Kevin mentions, like, my mother is coming. You're not going to be around. It's like, I want to just put my uh, stepdaughter in the closet. And then, you know, her mother is just trying to constantly keep the peace. Of course, her, her she has a younger sister named Megan, who is, I believe, Kevin's daughter. I don't uh, think so. Um, I think I, I think she says at one point, so, Jessica Hines says, like, I, I messed up with your dad and Megan's dad. So I don't think he's Kevin's dad to either. Things, you know, sort of escalate when the police come around, you know, trying to find uh, Sasha's ex-boyfriend. Anton, was trying, it? Uh, Anton? Remember the name? Anton, yes. Leads to a, a blow up and Sasha just packs her things and leaves the house. At this moment, she's just kind of homeless. She's just kind of wandering around with her luggage. She calls some friends of her or acquaintances of hers who were probably her drug dealers. They pick her up. They take her on a drug run and she... Sasha influence named Carly. Pair sort of hit it off. Carly can invite Sasha to this sort of influencer party. And Sasha dips her toe into this world of, of uh, Insta- Instagram <laughs> influencers and so forth. And by the end of the episode, we're kind of left at this really awkward point where, you know, Sasha's sitting there looking at Carly's Instagram and her paid portion of her Instagram account kind of as hanging out with those with her drug drug dealing friends. It, it, I, I thought the ending was very, it was very odd. Nicole Lecky or Lecce, I'm not sure. Her, she'd written a play called Super Ho, uh, which this is this is based on. You know, this is a six-parter. Reading some of the interviews um, with the cast and, and Nicole, it looks like she is trying to look at the, the youngsters' world and, you know, how they're influenced by clicks and likes and all of this and how easy it is to get into that world of of online sex work and especially if they are like disenfranchised youngsters like we've got here with Sasha who you know is this aspiring young music artist and is been making this EP for years and has, has used um, as Jessica Hines character says all of her grandma's money to try and become like this music star but is you know, smoking weed in her bedroom and and setting fire to her ex-boyfriend's garden and not remembering it the next day because she's had too much to drink and has done too many drugs. I immediately felt too old to watch this. I was like, I don't think this is for me. (laughs) One of the things that they do here as well is that they intersperse songs into it as well, like performances of Sasha sort of explaining parts of the plot. There's one point where we see that she's recorded a song about how she feels about Anton that's sort of gone semi-viral. One of the the opening, the sequence, you know, where we're at our night for, that reminded me a lot of Me, I Destroy You. I, I May Destroy yeah, You. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, I thought it was very reminiscent of that. And I can see that this series is probably going to do for uh, Nicole Lecky quite has done for Michaela Cole. She is the star, she is the writer, she writes all the songs, sings all the songs. You know, she's obviously hugely talented. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would for, for the same reason as you, but I was like, I'm not in this world. I'm an, I'm an old middle-aged woman, a white woman, you know. But, you know, we're all aware of social media now. I, I follow a lot of Instagrammers who are young women who talk about beauty or fashion or whatever and I can see how think how tantalizing it is when you have nothing to think all you need is a phone and I think it was you know um Kathy Burke did a, a series of documentaries about money and one of them was she was she was with the tiktokers and and that's what the, the guy who runs that said he said you know all you need is a phone and you can be a millionaire and I think that is it's quite a good idea I, I think it's probably the first drama that's really done that well at least or fully to explore that how how easy it is to get involved in that world and, and what then it takes you down is is obviously go through the the season we'll see how far it takes her but has to decide what she's okay with basically oddly enough i found the music it was unjarring if you know what i mean it was like glee let's put it that way you know <laughs> It didn't take me out of it when we dropped into a, a basically it's a music video, I suppose, isn't it? She's singing. Mm. It didn't take me out of it too much. And I don't know if that's because the soundtrack runs through every episode so well and it's in the background. And so it, it didn't seem very different to then just have her singing it instead of it being in the background. 
I, I will say I've watched the first three episodes and in episode two there is a, a song in the DWP office which is fantastic <laughs> and I cannot mention it what it's called but it's uh, <laughs> you know without getting censored but I I think that was the songs are definitely um, working and I'm sure they'll probably go viral once mm. it's you know people are watching it. I, I think you're right as well, Dawn. There is a lot of Michaela Cole in here. It does remind yeah. me of sort of. Did either of you watch Chewing Gum? Her yes. sort of yeah. her first. Uh, there was. It yeah. feels a bit like. I mean, that was much more of a sitcom. You know, this is much more dramatic, but it has got elements of that. It's almost got like a rawness to it. I, I think one of the issues I had was it was only just over forty minutes, and they crammed so many characters in every so often she would meet someone new and I was like, who are you? Who are you? You know, when she was at that party, she kept bumping into people that she sort of knew. And it's like, well, who's this person? You know, there's that one girl who warns her off Carly saying, oh, she's a bit much. There's this guy who she, Kobe, I think his name is, who she sort of knows and what are you doing here? But there's a lot of characters, a lot of things to sort of, you know, it's it's that sort of first episode trap isn't it that you've got so much to do you know you get a sense of her family life and this blended family and how mom is now focusing all her attention on the child we sort of haven't ruined the you know this 15 year old i'm not overly versed in you know the world of instagram and influencers doing it on the gram and um <laughs> and so but i have to say even though i feel like in a way that i'm separated from that world I felt that it was a very engaging, I liked the songs. I liked all of that. I was interested in seeing more. She mentions uh, drawing inspiration from Michaela Cole's Chewing Gum and Fleabag. And so you can see those elements in here. Certainly, you know, maybe with our age group, it may be, you know, we may not understand everything. I think this is an important show BBC Three should be doing because Mm -hmm. this is something that's very relevant to probably their ideal target audience. No, I agree with that. And this does feel like a very much a BBC Three drama. And it's good to see now they're a channel again, they are sort of targeting that audience. Differing opinions there, but definitely sort of an innovative piece of, and it's worth checking out. It is on 10.05 on Tuesday night. I'm not sure, but it does feel like something that is all going to be on the iPlayer afterwards. But again, don't quote me on that. Uh, We are ending with another BBC Three programme. This is the second series of Starstruck. It's the uh, sitcom from Rose Matafeo. Again, now BBC Three is back on TV. It is being shown weekly, I believe, Monday nights at 10pm, but is already all up on the iPlayer. Now, when I asked you both to watch this, I I was unsure if you'd seen the first series, but it seemed like you both had. Dawn had already watched all of the second series. I really liked the first series. When I saw the premise of the ordinary girl falls in love with a, 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 a superhero, no, a film star. <laughs> a film star, I thought, oh, it's just the gender swap of Notting Hill. It's not going to be that interesting. But entirely because of Rose Matafeo, I just kind of fell in love with it a bit. But when season two came back, again, there's the question of, are they going to do this? Are they going to keep them apart together, apart together? Because at the end of season one, Jess, Rosa Matafield's character, is going to go back to New Zealand and Tom, the film star, is going to Ireland to work and she stays on the bus with him and she doesn't go back to New Zealand. So then it becomes a big issue of, okay, have I stayed for you? And we're not actually even in a relationship, which is a big anxiety for Jess and I I really I thought that first episode was really good because I didn't expect them to explore that. It's sort of what happens when you have that romantic comedy ending if this was as you say Notting Hill and has that air of a Richard Curtis film to it you know London is very sort of sanitized in this you know she's got this group of quirky friends she lives in this nice little flat she works in a art house cinema but, you know, the credits would have rolled after they kissed on that bus. I mean, it felt to me like a bit of an ode to the graduate as well. But it's like, where do we go next? Because now, you know, we barely know, you know, the first series, they meet over the course of a year, but they're never really in a relationship. Things conspire to get in their way. Now, are we actually in a relationship? And I thought it was a, an interesting touch that at one point he buys her a ticket to go back to New Zealand. It's sort of moments of drama, moments of and then moments of sort of surrealism. You know, they're spending all this time in an arcade together. 
she goes to see Magic Mike for some reason at the end of the first episode and is compelled by the narrative. I mean, Mo, how did... Because I believe it does air in the States, doesn't it? So how did you uh, discover Starstruck? I had discovered uh, Rose Matafeo when she was on Dead Pixels. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Right, so okay. she had an arc on that that show. So that's how I, I and I fell in love with her on that. And so then I heard about Starstruck. And so, you know, again, that that sort of Notting Hill premise just drew to this. So over here in the States, it actually it airs on uh, HBO Max. You know, it was really funny, particularly with that first episode. It's like, OK, this is the extended credit sequences. So we've got to figure out, like, now that she said her goodbyes to everybody now she's gonna undo saying all of her goodbyes mm. to folks and at the same time um feels really awkward because i didn't really have a plan other than i wanted to do this big romantic movie gesture moment you know but what's the reality of this you know she has to deal with the consequences of all the letters she's written um whether it's to her roommate kate and I really like that relationship between the two of them and how they how Jess and Kate play off of each other. They, they were roommates in real life, uh, Rose uh, Matafeo uh, and oh, a lot. Oh. So the biggest letter that she sent was to her, her ex boyfriend Ben. And that you know, you know drives the action or at least the uh, the drama in the second half of the season, particularly where he you know, he he reaches out because one of his nans have died. And, you know, I love the line. She says, oh, I've been kissed <laughs> with the yeah. wrong nan. She just shows up at the funeral. Once that door has been given a crack, Ben sticks his foot. Literally, he, he like jams into that door, tries and reestablish a relationship with Jesse Clearly, I think going back to his parents' house after the funeral and hanging out in his bedroom and and and, and drinking and so forth was probably going to lead him on, you know, and mm. and and create drama for her later on, which it it does. And then, of course, you know, he gets her a job cataloging at the library he works in, and it just spirals from there and just has a real negative impact on Jess's relationship with Tom. You know, it's really funny that we talk about how 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 messy Jess, Jesse is. Tom, in and of itself, you know, he's sort of a mess too, and particularly mm-hmm. his home life. You know, he's compartmentalizing things. He wants to. He, he's in the second episode of the Christmas. He, he want. He, you know, he doesn't invite her to come to uh, Christmas at at his house, but she doesn't. But then that leads to him compartmentalize things. When the third episode, where his drunk brother shows up at the ho- at the housewarming party, it's it, so and the awkwardness of Tom's friends, which are kind of not his friends, and and just you know their lives just kind of not like blending together. So it, it's just a, a confluence of a weird events that um, mm. I think ultimately leads up to them you know breaking up, particularly the Ben side of it <laughs> in that in that fifth episode. 
you're right. I mean, I went back because I was I was trying to find out whether they had mentioned this Ben before this ex-boyfriend, because there was certainly the insinuation that she moved and stayed in London, certainly for a relationship, but they never identified the boyfriend. There's a scene in episode, which is one of my favourite scenes in series one, where Joe, the colleague from the cinema, has read her this list of everything that he hates about her. She's asked him to write it, and she's really depressed already. And then she's like, I'm not staying in London anymore. I, and she says, I came here for you. Well, you know why I came here. So they some sort of failed relationship. So it feels like something they were going to explore anyway. And they needed some level of tension, didn't they, there, if they were going to continue the relationship. And, and an ex is always sort of narratively a good way to continue that. The connection that Ben had to the friend Steve, I didn't really understand that. You know, this is her old friend from New Zealand who is now getting married to his girlfriend and for some reason Ben's the you know the last episode is the joint stag and hen do for the people that they can't trust to be around everyone else which I quite liked as a as a concept I feel like I would get invited on one of those I agree with you Mo that the character of Tom you get to see a lot more of his naive side when you see him with his family with two well-known actors over here playing his parents. They're sort of your go-to Asian parents actors. Yeah. Um, but you see his sort of insecurities and things like that. You So when you see him with his brother, who is a lot more, despite him being this sort of movie star, the brother who is like this accomplished doctor is a lot more confident in himself. Even though it has got that heightened nature of a romantic comedy, it does still feel quite natural in the way that the friends interact, that Tom and Jesse interact. And I really, again, like that final episode. And again, we had sort of like a romantic comic ending, didn't we? Where like they're all on these paddle boats in the lake and they came together stepping into the water. And again, that felt very much like a, a romantic comedy ending. Dawn, what were your feelings just generally about series two? I was just going to say, I'm going to betray my shipyard side and say that I actually care less about the central relationship mm. than I do about the whole thing. If this was just about Jess's life and there wasn't a central romance in it, I would still really enjoy it mm. because of everything you said about the, her friendships and, you know, her, her job and it all just worked so well that I was like, I, I don't even need this romance. <laughs> oh, I, I enjoy it, but it's, to me it's not the seller mm. of the series i thought that uh, the entire season passed so quickly when i watched it i told you i you know i binged it all in one go because i just sort of went oh it's finished yeah. <laughs> you know it's such an easy watch mm. that time just passes really quickly when you're watching it and i think there's no bigger compliment for a sitcom you don't notice time passing it just feels so natural. And I think one of the things you're saying there, Dawn, actually, is that in a way, Rose Matafeo and the co-writers had have that sort of strong group of friends, these supporting characters, because actually, in certainly the first series, Tom and Jesse spend zero time together at all. So we yeah. need these characters. And actually, those sort of quirky characters that she spends time with. I love Joe from the cinema. And yeah. um, I can't remember the name of Kate's boyfriend. But he's, he's great. Yeah. Ian. Ian, the scene at the New Year's party where he's there in the hat and playing the piano. And uh, I mean, there are so many like little mo. There's that scene at the start of one of the episodes where she takes a pregnancy test, starts crying and then realises she's misread what, what it means and then just sort of goes into the next room and carries on. I, I think she's sort of got such a deafness of touch about her, Rose Matafeo. She's so natural as as an actor, actually. You know, she is primarily a stand-up and actually the the chemistry's there as well you know it's very much an awkward chemistry between her and Nikish Patel as Tom but you need that in a show like this and I think they have definitely got that I don't know if you two agree with that. One of the things I always sort of fight with myself over Star Trek is from the first episode I thought I'm not sure I buy him as a big movie star you know and but then I think but is that the point you know Film stars in real life are just ordinary, awkward, who have a difficult relationship with their family. They've been trying to avoid the press, but they're just trying to lead a normal life. So I thought, is that the point? You know, he's not over the top in any way. He's not flamboyant. He's, he doesn't possess a huge charisma, but it's a very quiet charisma that he has. 
And I think that works perfectly as a counterbalance to her sort of over-the-top uh, extravagance. And I, I, th- I think it's a, a good mix. Tom is very understated. Certainly when the first episode uh, Russell Tovey was in is his director, Dave, you know, he introduces him on the set and Tom is like, Hey, what's up? You know, and it's just trying to act really macho with these guys. And it just like totally falls flat. He's this goofy, quirky, sincere guy. And I think that's the secret of the chemistry between Tom and Jesse is just that they very much are, are opposites of each other. But at the same time, when you bring these two elements together, it creates something very magical. I, I came for Rose Montefeo. I, I love Nikish Patel, and I want to see more, you know, if there's a third third season of this, like, more with their friends. Because, again, hmm. to me, that that's also this really fun draw as well. And, you know, more of Tom's brother. The third season is, is like, she's got to meet Tom's parents. Uh, Jesse's parents will probably come over from New Zealand. I mean, there's just so much left to explore in in this, in in addition to Mm. what's going on with their friends. I I think that's the thing, though, with this series, and I think why it feels so natural is that that might just happen. You know, you might meet your partner's brother or sister on New Year's and then not see them again for the rest of the year. The friendship group, there's certain friends that you meet and then they're not, you know there the next time you've got friends who are like that you know not all of your friends are all together at one time and i i think that's really like there's the lady with the dark hair who's sort of having those interactions with Minnie driver at the new year's party who again Minnie driver seems to be having a great time in this doesn't she as the agent i think she's brilliant as did russell tovey as you've both said about tom and him as a movie star we see how different he is to you know the other actors who were there at the new year's party and his co-star slash ex-partner in the first series as well you know they are very sort of lovey darling you know playing the movie star game and then he's very sort of unassuming and do we think this will get a third series because the second series i think was commissioned before the first series aired so i mean for me i think it has got one more series in it i don't know if, if you both agree with that yeah, I definitely think it has one more. And I read, I think it was Radio Times, Rose Matafeos mentioned that she hadn't thought about, I guess at some point, at one point, hadn't thought about like future seasons, but certainly there were ideas percolating. So I'm really hopeful that the response to series, second season will, will generate ideas for a third. I, I would, I, I think three would be a, a perfect number mm. for this. Definitely. I do think we've got enough to mine to make it so it's not a, a laboured thing where you just think, oh, you're just dragging it out. Uh, especially what you said about um, Jess is, you know, she doesn't know how to be in a relationship. So I think it will be interesting that they are that, at that point where they are together. I think they have enough inner life as characters to be interesting in a relationship. Just them finding out how to be together and, and all that comes with it in those early stages of a relationship, how you work things out and, find a balance and stuff like meeting your family and just getting into a rhythm together. And I think that would be, you know, interesting to watch. And I think it would totally be not dragged out too long. Uh, Definitely one more season anyway. If you've not watched Starstruck or aren't aware the second series is there, both series are now all available on iPlayer. Thank you so much for joining me, both uh, Mo and Dawn. Uh, do you want to just quickly go through again what where we can sort of find you on Twitter and where we can find your various podcasts and things like that Dawn I'll start with you you can find us on uh, the Shipyard UST on uh, Twitter Instagram and YouTube my writing page in my Twitter is Dawn Glenn 2 number 2 okay. come see me <laughs> <laughs> and Mo <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at uh, Dr. Mo 77 um, and again I do a I'm part not of a doctor. I have coach. to do that because Luke's not here he's not an actual doctor we do that joke every time. No, no, I, I'm not a GP. Don't reach out to me about your foot fungus, um, your pimples, and so forth. Yeah, and and I'm part of a group of folks who do who do a semi-regular podcast called Geek Confidential. Um, and you can find us in all the spots you find your podcast. Real and yeah, we are at the well, at Luke Custard TV is where you can find 
all the updates uh, for the site. TheCustardTV.com is where you'll find the podcast. You'll find Dawn's articles that she's she's kindly written, as well as other things about Killing Eve that I mentioned before. We are on all your podcast apps, as I said. Um, I am at Matt's TV Bites on Twitter, where I barely write anything on there. But if you like my thoughts on Great British Menu and University Challenge, then, you know, come along and for all you fans of luke he will be tentatively back next week you know hopefully not newly married i i don't think as i said it's his wedding but join us again next week on another installment of the custard tv podcast goodbye rate and review us wherever you find us search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook Your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.